0: Bill's Mafia was good, this Stevie Johnson, Mr. Why So Serious, and you now tuned in to The Lowdown with Jake Jordan. What is going on everybody? Welcome to the coolest place in Bill's Mafia outside of Western New York. This is The Lowdown. I am your host Jake and man it has felt like it has been absolutely forever since I have sat in front of this microphone and talked about the Buffalo Bills when in reality for you guys it's only been a week since the last time you've probably heard this voice and honestly It's just because I was getting ready for my trip to Buffalo, which I have been bringing up for weeks and weeks that I was going to be coming to this Washington football team game. And ladies and gentlemen, if you listened to last week's podcast, you also would have known exactly what was going to happen during the Washington football team game because I called it. It is very rare that I can say that we sit here, especially as podcasters, and say that we absolutely nailed what was going to happen. Now, I did not nail the score, but I did nail exactly what was going to happen during this game, and that was that Josh Allen and the offense were going to get it together. It's going to be a huge game for Josh. The defense was going to put it together, and it was going to be an absolute showing. And ladies and gentlemen, it sure was, and I am so glad I was in attendance for it, because not only did we get to do that this week, we are also blessed to have the Houston Texans Also this week and we'll talk about that and we'll get all into that. But I think that this first section of the show, I just want to talk about what it was like to go up to Buffalo for the first time. And I'm sure anybody who's listening to this from Buffalo is probably like, okay, Jake, whatever. But this is kind of like a really special thing to me. And the fact that when the game was over, I shed a tear because once, I'm not really a guy who cries, right? But one of the big things is that the last time I was in Buffalo, I was 10 years old. I wasn't a sports fan. I saw, the only thing I can remember is seeing Niagara Falls, and that's about it. And since then, I've kind of grown with this relationship in Buffalo That I haven't truly been able to experience because, as a lot of you know, I live in the Central Florida area. I go to school at UCF. I haven't really had the opportunity to go up and see the Bills in person at their home stadium. Now, obviously, I can go to games down here in Miami, but it's not the same thing. Being able to call myself part of Bills Mafia, obviously, there's Bills Backers Bars, and I go there and, you know, That's all great, but there's nothing like going to the stadium and experiencing the Buffalo Bills play at home with Bills Mafia. And, you know, some of the things, it was immediate as soon as I stepped off of the airplane, just how different it was. Now, coming from Florida, obviously I'm used to certain things, but I'm not used to walking around in parking lots and seeing. Buffalo Bills stickers on almost every single car. One of the big things that you may not know, uh, but you do know if you're someone who lives outside of Buffalo, is that when you're you know, out and about getting groceries, something like that, and you see somebody with a Buffalo Bills sticker... You know, it's few and far between down here in Florida. Now, obviously, there are a lot of Bills fans that do live in Florida, but, you know, you don't run into them all the time, so you get the occasional go Bills. But it's kind of like a game where you sit here and you go, oh, man, I hope I run into that person. I would like to talk to that guy. You know, it's something— That it's kind of a game that we play down here. So, going to Buffalo, and obviously, I stepped off my family. They had made some reservations at an anchor bar near the hotel where we were staying over on Maple. And man, it just stepping out of the car for the first time and seeing one, everybody wearing Bill's gear, but two, all the cars having Bill's stuff on it. It was like I was stepping into an absolutely different world and I didn't know how to feel one because I was surrounded by a bunch of things that you know I hear about I hear about all these things I hear about you know the anchor bar and barb bill and Ted's hot dogs and Labatt blue lights like all these things that I hear and I don't get to experience them so when I was there and I saw these things It was crazy. And I'm going to break down a few things because I went and tailgated at the Erie Community College uh, parking lot with my dad and, you know, his brothers and some of his friends and my brothers. And one of the big things that kind of hit me is, you know, we were throwing the football around over on the fields that they have over there, uh, just tailgating, drinking. And, you know, my older brother said something to me that, you know, really just rings true is that it was like, we're home. Like, we are home, and that's what it felt like. It was kind of like we were around our people, and it's something that I don't think I'm ever going to forget, and it's something that I don't want that to be the last time that I experienced that, and I'm sorry if it sounds like I'm getting a little bit emotional here. It's just truly something that, you know, really caught me off guard. I I was like, yeah, I get to go up here and see a football game. I'm so excited. But it felt a little bit more than just a football game. It was feeling like I was around family and, you know, people that were just like me. And it was absolutely awesome. And I wouldn't trade that for the world. The atmosphere was absolutely great going to the game. You know, you hear a lot of things about Crazy Bill's Mafia is. But then when you see a bunch of guys pissing on the side of a uh, of a Porta potty instead of going into the port-a-potty you know that you're in a different kind of place it almost feels like the college tailgate experience you know all the time and that was absolutely awesome and i kind of brought it up being able to walk around and seeing merchandise everywhere everybody wearing bill stuff you didn't feel like you were that guy who you're the only guy who's wearing the Bills stuff and you're surrounded by people who are jags fans or dolphins fans or bucks fans It was crazy. And one of the big things is I know down here in Publix, when you walk into a place, they have kind of like a game section. Like around here, we have Orlando City and UCF stuff that you can buy. But up there, walking into a Wegmans, which by the way, Wegmans lives up to everything I have heard people talk about. It was just walking into it. I was completely just thrown off guard. I thought it was going to be something more akin to like a Publix that we have down here. But it was definitely something that was much, much nicer. And walking into there, being able to walk into a store and buy Bills gear. Technically, right now, as I'm recording this, I'm wearing a Buffalo Bills shirt that I bought at Wegmans while I was up there. And it was just crazy because I walked into there one I loaded up on Josh Allen hot sauce and Diggs hot sauce and I bought Josh Jack's you know not for 15 bucks online where PLB sells it I'm able to go and buy it for four dollars at a Wegman it was just it was just great and it was something that I wouldn't trade for the world and being at the game nothing prepares you for it. I was able to watch the whole game today on TV, and nothing prepares you for what it is like to actually be at the game around all those people. I had to put off recording this podcast. I wanted to do it right after the game. But me and my brothers and my dad, we could not talk. Our voices were gone. And you know what? Most people would be like, oh, this sucks. And me, I was so happy that my voice was gone. And this was something that I can't wait to do again. Bill's Mafia. I feel like I'm truly integrated with Bill's Mafia now. And I've finally experienced it. So I'm not technically a poser anymore. I can say that I've truly done it. Of course, I'm not the guy who's going to be at every single tailgate. Though I wish I was because... God damn it, was that one of the best experiences that I have ever had in my life. But the game itself, you know, watching it back, obviously, I saw all of this stuff in person. So you don't remember exactly everything that happened. Like a lot of the stuff that happened with Cole Beasley, I don't remember a lot of those catches. I was kind of just celebrating with people. It was absolutely awesome, but... Uh, as I look at my show notes, I see that I said brag about being right on my last podcast, but I already did that for you guys. You already know, but Josh Allen going 32 for 43, 32 of 43 for 358 yards and four touchdowns. And he had a rushing touchdown. Josh Allen just looked like what we expected Josh Allen to be what I expect Josh Allen to be. Uh, One of the big things that I wanted Josh Allen to take advantage of was taking what the defense gave him. And he even brought that up in a post-conference interview that he did. You know, he, he, he knew. He was like, I need to take what the defense gives me. And that's exactly what Josh Allen did during this game. He was picking apart their secondary, which I'm on record last week saying that, look, I love Washington's defensive line. I think they're nasty, but one of the things that they're lacking in is their secondary. And if you give Josh just enough time, he's going to be able to pick them apart. Well, what happened? Well, finally, Josh just kind of extended the plays with his legs, and we weren't playing a secondary or teams that were scheming so much coverage that Josh Allen was just able to pick apart the Washington football team's secondary. It was a beautiful sight to see, and you know, my next point is receivers were back on track. Everybody, Beasley 11 receptions for 98 yards, he was a factor, you know. And one of the big things that I wanted to bring up is I wanted to make sure while I was there, some people were saying that people boo Cole Beasley while I was there, while others were saying, No, they're not booing, they're saying bees, uh, and people that, you know, are for Beasley and against Beasley. You know, I'm going to say this right now. There were a lot of people saying Bees, but there were also a lot of people booing. I feel like that that's kind of – I understand the dude's topic, like how he feels about things, and some people don't agree with him, but booing the man, even though he's, you know, an actual weapon for our team and regardless of how he feels – The dude is a stud, and I absolutely love having them. So I would think that that's the one thing that Bill's Mafia needs to be a little bit better about. But the man of the hour, my God, Emmanuel Sanders showed up. Now, this was one thing that through the first two weeks, everybody was kind of like, what's going on with Josh and Emmanuel Sanders? One of the big things that, you know, everybody was talking about is, you know, they're just not on the same page. Well, I think Josh Allen kind of made it a point to point out that hey you know they're trying to neutralize digs which they did to a point uh digs with six receptions and 62 yards Uh, but Sanders being the, the weapon that Emmanuel Sanders is, when you have a guy like Stefan Diggs who's going to, teams are going to try to neutralize. You know that. They're going to make sure that they try to take him out of the game. But with doing that, they're going to leave someone else open. And finally, with Josh Allen and Emmanuel Sanders getting on the same page, it was a crazy day. Five receptions, 94 yards for two touchdowns. We were going nuts in that stadium. It was absolutely crazy. Emmanuel Sanders finally showing how he's still one of the sneaky best pickups for the Buffalo Bills in the offseason that a lot of people just weren't talking about. Some people have, though, and you know you can't forget about those pundits. But you know Emmanuel Sanders, bona fide weapon. There you go. You're a wide receiver too, bona fide weapon, Emmanuel Sanders. And the last receiver that I really want to talk about isn't technically a wide receiver he is a tight end and ladies and gentlemen I'm talking about Dawson Knox I wanted to talk about Dawson Knox in particular because you know the whole offseason thing was hey let's get better at tight end and let's bring in Zach Ertz uh, I want to say right now the first three weeks that we've seen Dawson Knox he looks like he's kind of gotten out of his head and he's kind of there Like he's making the clutch plays. Yes, some bounce off his chest, you know, but it's not as much as we've seen in the past. Dawson Knox, four receptions, 49 yards, and one touchdown. I'm not asking anything more from my tight end. You know, I don't expect Dawson Knox to be a Travis Kelsey or a George Kittle. But from what he's been doing, he looks like he's on the way to maybe not being as elite as those guys, but definitely somebody who's becoming one of those echelon players that is edging towards edging towards the top. And I can't, can't ask for anything more from Dawson Knox, but to just keep this going. Dawson Knox, tight end one. I'm loving it. And, you know, talking about the improve in the tight end play, let's talk about the improving of the run game. Now this has got a little contentious because a lot of people are kind of talking about, okay, Moss or Singletary, you know, that's kind of been the whole, you know, talking point all off season. Moss gets 13 carries uh, for 60 yards, but also gets a receiving touchdown, which thank you. My draft Kings really appreciated that. And then Singletary only 11 carries for 26 yards. Now I think that Moss was definitely the more efficient runner, um, one of the big things that we saw come out of Moss was them being able to put him out wide and use him in the passing game. That's something that we've seen Singletary able to do, too. Wasn't something that I do, knew that Moss was too akin to. To being a receiving back, but he seems to know how to do it fairly well. That was actually something that I was very surprised about. My DraftKings was definitely surprised about that. The running game, again, 13 carries 60 yards, 11 carries 26 yards, a little bit less efficient, but still efficient enough for the Buffalo Bills to be multifaceted and not just a one-dimensional team. Obviously, they're going to throw the ball a little bit more, but now we've got these running backs that can definitely still get the job done And that's a piece that we were missing last year. We were totally missing being able to have a run game that if they were inviting the run, we didn't have the, I'm not going to say we didn't have the players, but we just weren't using it as effectively as we should have been to be able to get into games. So definitely loved how much the run game has improved these first three weeks. And I can't ask anything more of those guys, but the defense The defense, everybody, I told you, I said the defense was going to be clicking and the offense was going to be clicking. One of the big things that I've heard being said all around is that, hey, why is it every single time we got a good defense, we can't have a good offense? And that's kind of something that, you know, in the past we've had where the Buffalo Bills have had a dominant defense, but their offense just can't do anything and they're mediocre at best. Uh, Hence the team that broke the playoff drought, but still... The defense showed out this game along with the offense, and ladies and gentlemen, if you were looking at a team that is going to be a Super Bowl contender, it is going to be this team. If they play like this and fire on all cylinders like this, and they're not going to every single game, there will be blunders but the defense is still good enough to where you don't need Josh Allen to carry the whole team and score hundred million points when this defense, even though I get it, we were playing the Washington football team. They still have Terry McLaurin. They still have Logan Thomas. They have Taylor Heineke who I think that Washington kind of misused him a little bit. They should have used a little bit more of his ability to run the ball, but I still think that that offense is slightly formidable. They have some good running backs in Antonio Gibson and J.D. McKissick. Gibson, I don't believe, was playing, but McKissick was. So definitely their offense is okay. Their defense is good. But the Buffalo Bills' defense, offense, and special teams, there were a few blunders. But still, the whole team, we are one of the most complete teams in the league. And just to explain to you what the defense did, even though I know you watched the game. I was there. I've watched the game probably three times now, so I could sit here and talk about it. Trey White gets a punch out on Logan Thomas. Gotta love that. Always going for the ball, not just the tackle. Trey White, they've talked about that. Leslie Frazier preaches that, and you gotta love it. Poyer got the pick. Taron Johnson also would have had a pick had it not been for some penalties. Micah Hyde also had a pick. It was just a day for the defense, definitely showing out for the crowd there. And I absolutely love that our defense, the game plan and the scheme that Sean McDermott and Sean McDermott and Leslie Frazier have is absolutely amazing. I love what they're doing. It finally feels like both sides of the ball finally have it together and that this team is finally getting ready to make its run. Uh, one of the big things that we didn't see a lot out of was the pass rush. Uh, one of the things that I noticed, especially watching, you know, some of the the replay, since I can't watch all 22 now, but the replay and also the just being there at the game, there was a lot of holding. That was one of the big things that we knew coming into this year was that the officiating crews were supposed to be looking for offensive holding, and for some reason, when it's a team that isn't the Buffalo Bills, it doesn't get called. Uh, I saw a lot. Our pass rush was neutralized by their line, but there was definitely a lot of holding. But one of the good things they were still able to do was keep Heineke uncomfortable and force him to make mistakes because a lot of people just like to forget Taylor Heineke was an XFL quarterback. Nobody's expecting him to go out there and light it up. But, you know, that's just one of the things that. It was it was weird because Heineke is good in some aspects and in others he's not. He's kind of a weird wild card of a quarterback and there's nothing much more that you can say about that. But that was it for the first half of this week's show. We're going to take a quick break and on the other side we'll be talking about the Bills injury report and in this week's matchup against the Houston Texans. You're listening to The Lowdown only on the Built in Buffalo Podcast Network. Welcome back everyone to the coolest place in Bill's Mafia outside of Western New York. This is the lowdown and man, we got to look on to Houston. Now I'm not going to sit here and absolutely try to stretch out what we are facing this week. Um, I want to get right into the injury report because I don't believe talking about the Houston Texans is really going to take up that much time. A lot of people just looking at the surface, you're going to see the injury report and you're going to be like, man, there are a lot of names on this injury report. Well, the good thing is about five of these are veteran rest and they're just put on there because they did not practice. And I'm kind of just, there's a few concerns that I have, but the vet rest guys being Addison, Beasley, Starr, Sanders, and Tywan Jones, you know, we're, I'm just sitting here and I go, yeah, those guys. You know, they they don't need to be practicing all this much. That's kind of the thing, right? We can't look past the Houston Texans, but there are some guys on this uh, this injury report that do kind of concern me. Uh, But the one that doesn't is Micah Hyde with a quad. He was limited on Wednesday full on Thursday. Obviously, I don't have Friday's injury report, but we will talk about that as the First round buy that we usually do on Monday nights has now been moved to Friday night. So if you are listening to to this on Friday morning, then on Friday night on the Built in Buffalo YouTube channel, you will be able to find me and Justice and Izzy and other guests talking about Buffalo Bills football with all the most up-to-date stuff. We are the Friday night guys under the Friday night lights, and we got to love it, but the injury report: Hyde again limited full. Not really concerned about him with the quad, probably just a slight strain. One, there are two people or three people that I'm actually worried about, and I think a lot of this might just come into play uh, because we're playing the Houston Texans now. The worry: uh, Feliciano is on the injury report with a concussion. He was limited and do not and did not practice. So one of the big things is if I'm remembering the concussion protocol right. I don't think he has enough time now that he's a did not participate on Thursday to come back for the game. Maybe they're going to just kind of let him sit that one out, along with Jordan Poyer, who we do know has had an ankle injury. He did not participate in Wednesday or Thursday's practice, so that really is going to leave him probably out. For the game this Sunday. And honestly, I don't think this is a game that we really need to rush any of these guys back. Another one, Taryn Johnson with a groin. He went from limited to did not practice. So it's it's just another thing that we have to look at. Is I think that this week, it's not a bye week, but I think that we know that this team. Can still handle a team like the Houston Texans without having some of these star guys who are a little banged up. And as much as they don't like to admit it, the Buffalo Bills, I'm sure, do know that they have to play Kansas City next week. So why would you play guys that are kind of hurt and you don't want to risk them having a re-injury or making it even more serious when you're playing a team like the Houston Texans? So I I think that they won't admit that they're looking forward to next week, but seeing this injury report kind of reflects to me that there might be some guys sitting out and just being like, hey, this is a precaution, and next week they'll be ready to play because we need to be fully healthy to play the Kansas City Chiefs. Now, in my notes, I said you can't look past Houston, and I don't think this team is looking past Houston. I think a lot of us are. A lot of us are ready for that week, Five game against the Kansas City Chiefs and I'm not going to talk about the Kansas City Chiefs game until that week comes up because you can't look past Houston. Now the whole team, I'm not going to go into their defensive rankings. This team is just not good. It They're playing out not that great and we kind of expected that going into this year, right? We kind of assumed that they weren't going to have Deshaun Watson and we kind of assumed that Now, with J.J. Watt being gone, this team is in full rebuilding mode. So, what is the one thing that you do possibly have to be looking at when you're looking at the Houston Texans? Well, when you are looking at the Houston Texans, the only thing that I could see that I looked at that could possibly do anything is their running back department. Now, some of the names on here, you're probably going to know. Mark Ingram, previously with the Baltimore Ravens. David Johnson. And Phillip Lindsey, previously with the Denver Broncos. Now, these are all guys that kind of have slightly different skill sets. Uh, I don't think that Houston's offensive line is good enough for them to really do anything against us. Uh, Davis Mills, their quarterback, another guy that, you know, you got one game of tape him, He's a little athletic, but I'm not really seeing him as a big threat. So what do we really have to look at when we're looking at the Houston Texans? Well, a lot of us thought that we were going to get Tyrod Taylor coming into this game. And that was going to make it a little bit more of a challenge because Tyrod Taylor to Brandon Cooks, who is one of the only receivers that they have that is slightly good, is was is a little bit dangerous. They showed it in the first couple weeks. They were absolutely lighting it up on the scoreboards. And they have that ability to, if they can find that way against your defense, they will go off. But I don't know about Davis Mills. I I don't think that he has the caliber because one, it was a totally different Tyrod Taylor that we're seeing those weeks, right? I was not looking at Tyrod Taylor and being like, that was the guy who was on the Buffalo Bills when they broke the draft. It was not. Tyrod Taylor came in knowing, hey, I was the backup to Deshaun Watson. Deshaun's out. I'm going to go out here and just try to play my best football. I'm taking chances. You know, this could be the last shot that Tyrod actually has to truly be a starter in the league. So, you know, Davis Mills is a step down from that. Davis Mills is not going to will this team like that. I He doesn't have that kind of presence. And it kind of showed last week they only put up nine points And granted, that was, I believe, against Carolina was the last game that they played. But still, that was just something. And you know what? I'm going to look it up right here. It was the Carolina Panthers. That was the last game they played. But still, like, I don't think Davis Mills makes Nothing about this Houston Texans team makes me go, wow, you know what? We can't look past Houston. The only thing that makes me say that is that they're an NFL team. So obviously, the guys that are playing there are NFL caliber guys to a point. But when I put them against our squad, even with the dudes who might be sitting out like Poyer and Feliciano, which is going to give more time for maybe the theory that we're going to slide. Uh, we're go- Maybe we're going to slide Darrell Williams into guard and play, to- uh, play Spencer Brown at right tackle. You know, just some things that you know could be played around with this week this almost feels like a preseason game just looking at the roster that the Houston Texans have so i'm not going to sit here and i'm going to draw this out the buffalo bills the one thing you need to just do is don't fuck it up do not mess this up if you're the buffalo bills this isn't a trap game this team isn't good enough to be a trap game we've seen the teams that they were able to put up points Against Which were the Jacksonville Jaguars, which I don't count that game because the Jaguars stink, and the Cleveland Browns. But in that game, they had Tyrod Taylor. That wasn't Davis Mills slinging the rock all over Cleveland's defense. Which also proves my point that Cleveland is not the defense everybody thought they were going to be. And that I need to see the Browns actually play a really hard schedule, not a cupcake schedule like last year. And see them actually you know, cement their place as one of the top contenders. But still, the Houston Texans do not have the personnel to truly be able to challenge the Buffalo Bills. Just from top to bottom, the Buffalo Bills are a better organization, better coaching. As much as some people kind of like David Culley. Uh, and he thinks he's going to come in there and try to beat our butts. Exactly what he said. Sorry, David Culley. That's not happening. If Josh Allen hears about that you better be bent over on the sideline with your pants down because daddy's coming over to spank you because Josh Allen is going to absolutely annihilate the Houston Texans and it's not even going to be funny and our defense is going to bully Davis Mills around and if they try to do anything cute, it will backfire on them. So, That's it for this week. We got to our 30-minute time limit, and I love it. I love talking to you guys by yourself. It was an awesome, awesome week. Washington football team, great. This team looks amazing. I was there. Awesome experience. Really glad that it happened while I was there. The next game that I'm going to is in Jacksonville, so I'm staying in Florida, but I am going to a Bills Mafia tailgate there, and that's going to be absolutely awesome around my people again. And yeah, if you guys do love what you hear here on the Built in Buffalo network, then make sure to go check us out on all of the social media platforms. You'll be able to find us on Facebook, which I do graphics for, and Twitter and Instagram. You're going to find stuff for everything. One of the best platforms for just getting Buffalo Bills news in general. They are looking into starting a blog site to where – You're going to be able to get even more Bills Mafia news. And if you like this podcast, make sure to leave a review on the podcast network, you know, so more people can find us. There are really great people here that do a bunch of great podcasts. We all collaborate with each other. And if you like collaboration, make sure to check out First Round Buy on Friday nights. Now the Friday night guys and me and Justice underneath the Friday night lights where you can get the most up-to-date Buffalo Bills news heading into the weekend just as you're getting ready to go to sleep and get ready for that game on Sunday. Ladies and gentlemen, It has been an awesome podcast. You have been listening to the coolest place in Bill's Mafia outside of Western New York, The Lowdown. I'm your host, Jake. This is Built in Buffalo. I will see you guys next week.